Welcome, animation fans, to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and joining me from recently attending E3 is Rick Arroyo. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm really thrilled about this podcast, and we got we got something really spectacular for you guys. So yes, we have David Lamb who will be joining us. He's an iAnimate instructor as well as a cinematics animator over at Naughty Dog, who recently just finished up a huge game, Last of Us, and it's getting great reviews across the board. And so I'm really looking forward to talking with him about that and uh, his role in that game. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right, fantastic. Well, let's pull David in here. Mr. Lamb, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Larry. Thanks for having me here. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Again, we appreciate your time. We know you've been very, very busy working on a game here. It looks like it's gotten some great reviews. So I know you've been busy working on it. So, yeah, we do really appreciate you joining us today and taking some time with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure, man. It's ironic that we're talking about the game today because it's shipping today. So it's a a good time, I guess, because this is the first time I can really talk about the game. It's it's been kind of a a secretive game for a while. um, And I can talk more about how it started, but... Um, we've been kind of kept, you know, tight-lipped on, on this project for a while, and we've always been trying to PR and everything. Marketing's always told us to stay clear on the on the safe side and not really talk too much about the game. So it's ironic that it's like the first time I can really um, talk about it publicly or outside the company, so it's cool in that sense. You heard it here first on the I podcast, all right. <laughs> Ship day, and we get an interview with David Lamb. Well, tell you what, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role over there at Naughty Dog and on this game here and uh, just kind of how you came into the animation industry. All right. So, yeah, my name is David Lamb. I'm lead cinematic animator at Naughty Dog on the recent project, Last of Us. So, um, yeah, my roles were predominantly in charge of animation with cinematics. Um, I was kind of co-lead. We had two leads on the, on the project. That's how Naughty Dog's been doing their projects in the past. We had... There's a lead cinematic animator that handles a lot of the front end of things like mocap directing, shoots, um, doing layout, assembly, camera, and then usually toward the tail end with animation assets, any post work like working with lighting, uh, environments, and so forth. We have another lead for that, and that was my role. So I was responsible for animation and getting assets in and making sure it was taken all the way to completion. With this latest project, um, it, it definitely was a, a big milestone for the for the team. So I didn't want to go off tra- off topic, but um, in terms of my my way into the industry, it's, it was a I would say I think each one of us have always had a different way of getting into industry. So it's unique to hear that, um, and it's cool. I, I really I didn't really start out in animation. I was actually a computer science major, uh, and I went to a four year degree. So I kind of took a long long way. Uh, toward animation and at some point I realized you know comp sci is really not my thing so I got into animation in grad school and it kind of paved that way into animation and um, I started out working in TV and so forth and it's pretty brutal Um, it was back in 2003 I don't know if you guys knew about that time but it was still kind of games was still up and coming industry Um, it was definitely like the PS2 time so um, I was going this transition to PS3 so I was able to you know fortunately get on a on a project that was pretty cool with Activision, and uh, it was like PS2. Um, back then, like team sizes were still pretty small. It was like 30 to 40 people. So back then, it was a little bit more intimate and personal. The scope of projects wasn't that crazy. Like nowadays, I don't know. Rick could probably chime in too. But going into next gen, it's gonna get even crazier. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't even want to like with with the Last of Us. You know, we focused on PS3, and we're toward the end of our you know this PS3 cycle. So. Um, of course, you can imagine there is people working on the next gen, and 
and it's funny like we just got off a tough project and and we're a few of us are just steered away from that because we don't know what that's going to entail and how much work so so it's interesting i don't know rick has interesting comments about ps4 or well, next gen yeah well i could say that um Okay, so there's there's really two sides of it, how I see it. There's the technology side, and there's being creative with that technology. And I'm really excited for both sides. Well, so we just came back from E3 for like three, four days. We've been at E3, got some great um, talks with some of the guys from Ubisoft and from other studios. And the technology, I mean, just talking, for example, let's say Watch Dogs. I just had a, a one-on-one a demo with uh, Colin Graham, and... The tech of it is just phenomenal. These yeah, guys are crazy. really, yeah, these guys are really pushing it. And of course, uh, Last of Us as well, but I'm just going to quickly talk about Last of Us. They've been really pushing the technology. The crowd system is, 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 is unbelievable how, how much small details they put into it and yeah. combining it together to make the, 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 the world feel living. That's why they call it like the living city or the living world. And other things they're doing, you know, it's like the hands in the pockets, the, you know, the render, the, the, the number of animations and the quality of the animation. So you don't have that filter type animation with that's kind of sliding or floaty. They really did great with that technology. And artistically, people can really push their vision of, of a game and really push the, the visuals and the story of a game. And every day we're getting closer to closer to, to film in terms of presenting a great story and, and something that you can really watch and and, and really be part of, and then there's also the part that we get to to interact and be be the hero, you know. So I think the PS4 and Xbox One are bringing some some amazing stuff. So I'm really excited, and I would be excited even for the like the indie industry where small developers are now going to have uh, easier access to create games and put on on these platforms. So it's it's really impressive, and I think it's the right thing. So. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. It's it's kind of like the tech and the artistry. And another thing, the way I see things too with with working in games, it's um, you know expectations are rising like crazy. Like people expect more, uh, more, more stuff on screen, and it's it's almost like you know production size is going to get even bigger. And sometimes doubling the team doesn't mean doubling the results. So it's like we have to kind of sit back, figure out how to work smarter. And that's a lot of the stuff we did in Last of Us, like. You know, we only have the PS3. We've maxed it out on Uncharted and stuff. And so as a whole, as a consent, you know, as a general whole, you know, each department had to really sit back and figure out, like, how do we maximize or squeeze out more juice in the PS3? So, and for cinematics, that's, you know, I, I dealt mostly with cinematics. Um, toward, the, toward the end, we really had to help out with in-game cinematics. But for the most part, I was dealing with story, narrative. And, you know, from that point of view, we really had to figure out, like, you know, we have a pretty tight team. We're not a huge team. We had about, um, you know, five animators in-house doing the cinematics, and then we worked with the external studio. And like, you don't have a huge team, and you're it's trying wild. to make, yeah, you're trying to make a 95-minute cinematic. We had 97 minutes, so uh, we beat Uncharted by like five minutes. So it's pretty crazy. And uh, so we have to really think about how we work. You know, sit back. We have the same structure, the same tools. It's like. Um, how we how can we work smarter? What can we utilize? What can we make more scripts? What can we automate uh, just to help our life? Because you know we're not a film company. You know our, our our first priority is a game, and you know we don't have that structure where we have like a big crew of animators or a big production staff. So I don't want to go off too much of a tangent, but Naughty Dog's great, and and uh, but one thing we 
the the company really stressed and was very passionate about was that you know we weren't very production heavy meaning we didn't have producers and people kind of wrangling stuff for us uh, we were our, our own producers and that only works to a certain extent you know so once you get to like you know ps2 that'll be fine but once you got to ps3 things got bigger right so games got bigger and it got crazier so now you know for the last of us we did have production and it definitely helped us and I think I think what I'm trying to get is for students too, or people listening. Like it, it, it goes a long way to be organized, or kind of work smart. You know, uh, we don't just do a straight up can animation all the time. We think of different workflows, different techniques we can do to like, you know, uh, utilize existing stuff or work on top of stuff, and, um, and that goes down to a whole other beast. You know, talking about workflow. So that that was something we mandated as a whole because we know we were a small team. We can't just pump out 90 minutes with just the few of us. Um, I mean, at the most, we had 20 animators at once working on 90 minutes of scenes. So that's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I want to say quickly something that what uh, a lot of people might and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, David. Um, that's uh, there's two cinematics. There's the in-game cinematics, and then there's the cinematic cinematic, which could be either a pre-render or just rendered with an engine. The 97 minutes is that purely just cinematics or does that include in-game cinematics no that was just purely cinematics where exactly. it was, it was um, sort of this quick timey event if you can call it that and where you actually cut and you see it's more narrative based and, and and more about the story and kind of to, to explain the differences for those who may not know like um you know often when we're playing um we're playing a game. We're we're always in this in-game moment where we're pushing, you know, pushing the stick forward or whatnot. So the character is very much player control. Um, but there's little moments that we want to feel very cinematic-like, but keep that player still in gameplay mode. Um, and if, if done well, then we can we can try to make that player feel like we're in this mode, but we don't lose control. We regain control as soon as possible. So we make it very cinematic, almost movie-like, but you're still immersed as a player. So that's that's what we call in-game cinematics or um, you know scripted events. And then there's these moments of that where we really just tell the story. And, um, and, and the trade-off for PS3 and what most studios are doing is that we, they're doing these like captured or, or pre-rendered content. So it takes you away from the game experience. It kind of sucks as a gamer, you know. As an animator, it's really cool because we get to work on these coolly, you know, rendered um, moments that mimic a lot of film. But as a gamer, um, you know, it does take away the experience because you're, you're cutting away and then it's this sort of, uh, different quality, different look to the game. And, um, that's one key area for The Last of Us that we were really focusing on was that we try to tie in the game into the to the cinematics a lot more integrated and seamless. Um, so we felt like, you know, it was still kind of part of gameplay in terms of visuals. We try to match it as much as possible. So um, that was one of the key things that helps keep that player enticed because if you're playing a game, um, and I think most people can kind of agree that, you know, once the cinematics comes on, if it's not very entertaining, people just want to skip right over. Uh, so that's the drawback, you know. As an animator, it's fun to work on, but you have to keep in mind it's not the focus, you know. The focus is gameplay. So it's this, it's a trade-off. It's, it's, it's a huge thing for games. Like, um, So it, I don't want to go too far, but to talk about Last of Us, it's sort of where it came from. It, it, it definitely started very early on, and a lot of people did not know about it. So... I started on Naughty Dog with Uncharted 2, and um, you know that was a very cool game. And I even knew it during a. It, it's not very common that when you're working on a game, you're like, oh my gosh, this is really badass during during production. It's, it's you tend to be 
you know, frustrated. I don't know, Rick can probably chime in like, this sucks or this is not going the way it should be. But something with Uncharted 2, it's like you could tell right away. I came in, I, given it's a sequel, um, you know, when, and I'll we can talk about that later too, like working on a sequel versus like original IP, like The Last of Us. But like coming into Uncharted 2 um, was very, very cool. Like from right off the bat, you, you got this very um, sense of like, this is going to be a good game. Like, you know, you have something special. So, um, you know, once I got on that project, it was, it was just, it was just an awesome experience. And it was after that project where, um, the game director, Bruce Straley and the co-lead designer, Neil Drunkman, um, you know, the company wanted to sort of explore another, a way, um, they knew they're going to work on Charted 3, of course, you know, given the success of it, but they wanted to try something different. And, you know, a lot of fans have suggested Jackson Dexter, and that's what people really know, you know, how Naughty Dog started out. And But they knew that, you know, with our fans, with Jackson Dexter, that, you know, was in the 90s and the Uncharted, uh, our audience was getting more mature. So we knew that we couldn't really go that route anymore. We couldn't go into that, you know, uh, cartoony kind of snappy type of characters like that mimics that. So we knew we had to sort of cater to a more mature uh, adult um, audience if you can say, and Uncharted was really cool and it was very fun. It was more Hollywood uh, set pieces and over the top. So they wanted to go a different route. And one thing that really inspired them, and you may or not have seen it, but um, one big source of inspiration was this BBC video where it was like these ants that were getting infected by this fungal infection called uh, cordyceps or something like that. So it was pretty gnarly where like, this is real life where uh, these ants are getting infected and it takes over their brain and they go back to their colony and they like infect everyone else. So the idea was that what happens if that was uh, an infection for hum- mankind? Um, so that was a cool inspiration to, to jumpstart the project and, and something that could get really dirt, you know, very dirty, very grounded, very a bit dark in that sense. Um, and the other idea was that what if, you know, they wanted to explore relationships with our hero characters um, and one area that wasn't very proven or done so much in games was to have, uh, you know, this uh, a father-daughter relationship. Um, and it was between two strangers. So you have, like, this 14-year-old kind of rebellious girl, and then you have this 40-year-old man that's very hearted, who's very, uh, who suffered a lot. So they're very contrasting characters. So to develop that kind of relationship is, is pretty daunting. So... Uh, that's kind of how the game started, and it was really cool. It was very kept under secret for a long time, so that's why I say, like, it's funny that we're talking about it today because it's, like, the first time we can really openly speak about it. So um, so that was under wraps when Uncharted 3 was um, starting. So we, that's the first time the company went two projects, and uh, it's for those who don't know, like, games is very iterative. Um, it, it's The cycles are a lot longer than a film. Like, you know, when you're working on original IP, it could take anywhere from like three to like eight years or something like Duke Nukem or something uh, where, so it, it's tough to balance a multi-team company. So it was, a, it's, it's pretty tough. We were working on Uncharted 3 and The Last of Us. And as soon as Uncharted 3 wrapped up, The Last of Us was really, you know, starting to really push, move forward. Um, actually, sorry, it was after Uncharted 2 that The Last of Us started to move forward with Uncharted 3. And at an early stage, I was asked to, to come on board and I was the second animator on and uh, so it's really cool I got to be really involved at an early early stage with the project and this is nearly like four years ago I think or three years ago uh, 
yeah, to see it like come from there, that's pretty cool. Um, so like for games, it's 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 much more invested. You can say I don't know about. I mean, I'm sure the same thing with the rich, you know, with, with first title films. Like they do spend a lot of time, um, but this one was like a four year project, so you feel like it's almost like you're really really tied into this. Like it's almost like your baby. So so I got involved pretty early, and 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 that was great. I was able to previs. Um, I was able to previs the game and how it felt in terms of gameplay and mostly on combat stuff. So that was really um, utilizing my skill set. A lot of my background is, is uh, in combat and so forth. So that was cool. I really digged it. Um, what kind of combat? Do you like martial arts or? Yeah, I, was, I, I grew up a lot on, uh, so long story short, uh, it's, I always bring it up to friends and, and they laugh like, I grew up like a really, I was a really fat, chubby kid <laughs> growing up, and I was like constantly eating as a fat kid, and I always got picked on, so I was like, man, I got to do something as a kid, and and uh, I was like 12 years old, and I was like, man, I got to defend myself, I don't want to get picked on all the time, so uh, I started picking, yeah, I, got, I picked up martial arts, uh, and I was doing kung fu a lot, Very cool. just, just so that I don't get beat up at school, um, so that little did I know, did I know at the time, it really paved the way for like animation because uh, for a lot of students, you know, people are really into animation because of cartoons and so forth. But, you know, if, if you can draw like any experiences from your past childhood, whether it's like any sports, football, soccer, it's all about like physics, your body and, 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 and you know, the, the way you torque your body. That's huge. Uh, so I draw a lot of my experiences from those early childhood, and I was like, man, that and I didn't think about it when I was adding. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, all oh, this kung fu stuff really helps. Like, it ties in so much when I was doing action stuff. I didn't really, you know, uh, put one to one together until like I was really sitting down and figure out like how this character like swings a sword or whatnot. So uh, that really helped. So that was that was cool. And when I did combat for The Last of Us, you know, it was, it was very melee centric, very grounded. Um, so that's where the game is kind of, that was the direction of the game very early on. It was like grounded, uh, really gritty, dirty, you know, like really, really brutal. If you can think about that sense, like, you know, Uncharted, um, it was more kind of like action flip where you can punch a guy and knock him out. Uncharted, uh, you would like punch a guy and then grab him by the throat and really suffocate him until he doesn't move anymore. So it was a pretty violent game. Um, so that was something that was stuck at the very beginning of the game. We wanted to separate from Uncharted that way. So you guys were working on Uncharted 3 and Last of Us roughly about the same time. Yeah, and then some point, yeah, I know what you're going to say. some point, uh, I sort of left the company and then came back just for personal reasons. Uh, I came back to work on Uncharted just to help, to really help them out. They were really in a tight crunch. And uh, it was awesome because, you know, I, I really am close to Drake. I really liked that character and the game itself. So I was very happy to be Uncharted. So I, I went back onto Uncharted 3 um, and helped them with... And my roles on Uncharted 2 and 3 were uh, were in-game cinematics. So I didn't work on any cinematics or facial stuff at the time. I was focusing more on those like those cinematics moments that tie into gameplay, more action stuff. So like Drake would get you know, maybe uh, a helicopter would like shoot a wall or uh, launch a missile and then Drake has to react. So it's one of those like cinematic, very one-off situations where you feel like you're talk, you know, like almost like movie-like. So after Uncharted Three, that's when I got back onto The Last of Us. And that at that point, I wanted. Um, I hear a lot from our students and so forth, and people are very, very inspired to work with cinematics and so forth. And I'll tell you, like each 
you know, there's pros and cons to doing cinematics and in IG and in-game cinematics. And um, people think it's cinematics much better. And I, I don't agree. It's very much, you know, it's, it's on the same playing field. You're still animating. It's still, you know, IGCs is a different beast. Cinematics is a different beast. And they each have their fun value. And in-game cinematics is very much tied into gameplay, how the player feels. You still need response. And it, it, it's cool because you're controlling this character. Cinematics is more like film-like. And I, I can understand why people like cinematics, but um, sometimes in-game gets kind of looked down upon, you know. And I, I don't agree, you know, they're both still animating and you have your challenges in both fields, so. One of the things that is kind of interesting that you just mentioned here in regards to the in-game animation is that you're not just doing, here's a walk cycle, and you just do a walk cycle. You're doing a walk cycle for that specific character to give that character just that character a feel for this particular character that you're controlling. So it's not just a vanilla walk cycle. Just something that you kind of mentioned just kind of really caught me on that is that it's still very much, it seems like, in regards to cinematics or film where you're trying to get into this character, so to speak, right? Yeah, exactly. For that, what this character for particularly that would do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I like I break it down to for those like who are new to the industry or, or to animation. So there's the in game where it's like really it's player control. You have your walks, your runs, your jumps and so on. We still want to make the best performance, make sure the audience, the player, whoever's seeing the character on screen really relate and believe in that character. And then you have an interactive uh, game cinematic uh, cinematics or inter. Yeah. So there, um, yeah, I really messed up there. <laughs> Interactive cinematics is where it's now it's a bigger performance where, you know, like David Lamb says, it's like the character is being shot out of, of, of a plane and, it's, and there's this big event and you want the character, the player to really feel this performance and, and be part of the performance. But it's a big performance, which you get to interact with. And then you have the cinematic is just, you're just watching a performance. So as a game animator, um, there's a lot of value in doing like in-game stuff and say, look, I connected all these small animations, put them together, and I made a performance with multiple small animations together. And then there's a huge reward when you do an interactive cinematics where there's multiple outcomes and multiple possibilities. And the player is like so into this performance. And he's like, he's just, he's, he unbelieves that he's like, I, I, don't, I can't imagine how they did this that I'm flying out of out of a plane and I'm going to catch this box and and whatnot and but they're in control they're living it so they you know the player gets excited they get scared they're like I don't want to die you know when you watch a cinematic or a film you know you worry about the character but you're not as attached and what we're doing now I mean like we said earlier expectations are getting higher Naughty Dog is a, a fantastic studio they give ownership to the animators if you watch some of these cinematics or these trailers and you're going to be blown away with the quality and and the performance and, and the depth that we go into with our characters. A lot of people are stuck in like the 80s and 90s on games. We're past that. You know, we are we are really pushing it. And that's something that, we you know, we teach in our class. And like David says, you know, make people aware of that. There's so much that we do in games. It's not just a walk cycle. It's There's way more. I mean, we deal with creatures and monsters that don't even exist and animals and and these cinematics and it's, it's just fantastic so yeah you hit it right on the spot Rick. yeah and one thing for the last of us I, I wasn't part of gameplay so i can't speak too much detail but i know from the last of us what we what really pushed gameplay was that 
the, the game was very much system heavy. There's a lot more system, meaning Joel, our main character, is in a lot of different types of set of animations, whether he's behind cover, he's in stealth, or he's in combat situations. So we have, it's very more systems heavy. Another thing, to, the second thing to add to it is that we have a lot more movesets, meaning we have Joel walking, but we have so many types of walk. Uh, Joel could be, you know, walking in a tense situation. He'd be walking across a plank. Uh, and on top of all that stuff, he could have hold a, a number of weapons. So we had a lot of different types of personality that we gave to, to our main character. So um, James Martin Chek was in, dealt with the hero character. And, and it's funny when I go up to him and I was like, dude, how many movesets are you doing? He goes, it's endless. Uh, but it's challenging because he has to you know, embrace so many types of walks and so forth. But, you know, at the end result, the payoff is huge because, you know, as a company, we're playing this game and it's just astonishing how unique Joel is in, in, in a lot of different scenarios in the game, whether you're on a on top of a, a building, high ground, or like, you know, it's windy, so Joel might be a little bit more tense. It's very, very detail-oriented and it, it shows, you know, it's this huge payoff when you see your character interact differently like per environment. So it's pretty cool in that sense. Now, before our interview here, I checked out IGN, and they had some crazy great reviews for you guys on this project here. They gave you guys a 10 out of 10, which is, according to them, a masterpiece. And then in regards to this game as well, it said, case study on how games can immerse you, tell a fascinating story, and make you really care about its characters. Now, as a studio, because you guys are saying, you know, you mentioned that you guys are playing this game and whatnot, and I don't mean this in a prideful way, but does that surprise you that you guys got this solid of ratings or would you guys go, no, we, we felt like this is where we were at or how did you guys feel uh, as a studio? It's funny you bring that up because um, games is very iterative. So uh, this is original IP. So early on, it was very tough. Like it was one of those massive undertakings where we knew what we we, we knew what we wanted to do, but it was a lot of work to get there. Um, it was only until probably the last few months that I'm, and I'm sure, like most game developers know, like they, they people tend to stick to this uh, idea that the game will come together at the end uh, because because of pressure, because of crunch. Um, but yeah, we really did come together at the end, and, and toward the last few months, that game the game really developed, um, and it, it was toward that end where you know we all kind of um, just knew what we were, you know, given the the track record of the company when charted the Uncharted series. We knew that we could, you know, trust our you know, management and higher ups and what they're doing. Uh, it just—it was a matter of like just guarding the strength and the time and, and your heart to kind of get that last push in. So we knew um, during that push, it was worth that push. Um, and that's the hard part. If you're pushing on a project and you're not too confident, that's really tough. You start to kind of lose morale. But uh, we knew we had something special. And then toward the end, once we got everything in place. It, 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 we knew we had something very cool in hand. So once we saw the reviews, we were really happy. You know, there is always this doubt. It's like anything you're working on. Right. You're not sure how it's going to be received. But it was pretty nerve-wracking. I remember, like, everyone's kind of waiting on that Wednesday. It was last Wednesday. and Everyone's just waiting. And, you know, we of course, you know, there's haters and so forth. So, <laughs> uh, so we're like, oh, man, that guy gave us a... You know, not to sound cocky, really. Oh, that guy gave us an eight out of ten or something. <laughs> so, but we knew we had something cool because we knew the the amount of sweat, tears, and blood and sacrifice that went into it. So, okay, I got another question here because this kind of throws me not being in the games realm as much. You said that this game has been in development for how many years? Uh, two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. 
Okay. Yeah. So we're looking at four or five years here, and you said it comes together at the last couple of months. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> magic. <laughs> Do we spread sprinkles of magic when it happens? <laughs> I mean, what happened in the last couple of months that, that takes that, pulls it together? I mean, I think a better way to approach it is like in film or TV, you have your animatics and you kind of flush those out, right? So you storyboard stuff, you produce that time animatic or, or whatnot. And you can kind of see as a whole. Um, for games, it's it's a lot more iterative. You really depend on people's reactions and so forth. And it, it takes a long time to, to figure out exactly what you want. It's an original IP. Original IPs take a long time. Um, and you know, re, you rely on, on on focus testing, play testing, and it it's this sort of you have a sort of. Um, Oh, you can't see me, but I have my hands wide open. It's like a funnel where you have this wide open plate of ideas that you can explore. And at some point you realize only certain ideas are going to work. So you start to funnel what's going to work and what's fun. And it's really tough when you're, when you're, when you're making a game. It's, it's all about the fun value and, or how it plays out. And I know it's crazy. I don't even, I, I mean, Rick, Rick looks so, like he's sitting, so. <laughs> I'm going to say this. So there's, there's two weeks. Well, there's ways of making games, but... There are people that make games for themselves and they think the audience is going to like it because they're like, you know, they're really hardcore into one one element of the game and they make a game for themselves and most of the time they don't succeed. And then there's like Naughty Dog that they make a game that they truly believe in, but they know their audience. And that's something that David said early on is that, um, you know, you, you need to know your audience, really understand how to connect with them and what they want to experience, what they want to live, what they want to, to be part of. And I think... And that's what, you know, IGN and and uh, even at E3, it's like every time you play a Naughty Dog game, you're just like, you're like, wow, they just do it so well. How can I do this? How can I just do this? You know, some studios are like, they did it so well. How can I top them? But when you talk about, uh, you know, not, uh, Naughty Dog, you're like, how did they do this? I just want to be just at the same level because that is a high level. That is amazing. And they do such a great job. But yeah, I mean, know your audience in that, and that I think that is a, a key element when you're making a game. Don't make a game just for yourself. If you make a game for yourself, put your passion into it, but realize that it's the audience that are going to be buying in player games, and, and those are the guys that you want to get excited because naturally you'll be excited because you'd say, "Wow, I did a great job!" You know, we did a great job. Everyone's high fiving. You know, so I think that's something that's really important. Is is know your audience and and naughty dog uh, you know drake it was an amazing game and that audience will naturally follow naughty dog is really know your audience i think that's really important yeah rick hit it it hit the spot and it and even given that we knew our audience um same time with any game it's always the case where um you know you'll you'll develop something and you think it's fine you try it out and sometimes it doesn't doesn't get the same reaction that you expected. And it's at that point as a game developer, do you scrap that idea or do you try to fix around it? And with Naughty Dog, the way we are structured, it's it's like people are bold enough just to say, we're gonna scrap it and then let's do something different, you know? And it's tough and it, it, it gets, it's tough as an artist because you, you know, you get a little demoralized because you have to redo stuff, you know? And it's com- and that's what I stress in class. Like there's often times where you do something cool, but you have to work differently because things could get scrapped uh, and i'm sure same thing in film like there's sequences that could get scrapped and whatnot it happens in my game so it's something you have to embrace acknowledge and you know at our company we're confident <laughs> confident enough to scrap something if it's not working and then change things up um so there's things that 
we saw us cool, but then we're, we're not afraid to go even further. And so that means you have to bring people, you have to have followers to trust you. It's like, hey, man, we're going to like change the way you did this whole set of animations because we wanted to make it look cooler. So or, you know, in a, to enhance what you just did. So it's a little frustrating, but then you're like, crap, OK, I've done this for the fifth time. So I got to do it a sixth time. And but given the track record, we know that there, there is a reason why we're doing this stuff. And we kind of believe in that, you know. So there is a lot of ups and downs in, in a project, yeah. <laughs> in a develop, game we, development. People don't realize that, you know, you could work on, on a, you know, you could be working on cover almost for a full year. And then they were like, you know what, let's change it. Or you could be working on a new system. Like you say, you have cover and there's like a, a unique one-on-one -on -one combat within cover. And towards the end, you know, you could, the system can complete, but it's felt it's not right. For, for yeah. the game or for the story, and they just might remove it. It can be done. They remove it because we're always aiming for that quality relationship with the audience, making sure they're really immersed into it. So, I mean, it can be frustrating at times. I mean, like I had a systems like, I'm really happy with what the guys are doing, but the call is, it's just not right for the game. So it's like eight months work, it's gone. Pull it's, the plug, it's, guys. It's, yeah, it's literally just unplug it. It's there, it's there. You could put it back in and it'll work fine, but it's just literally unplugged and sitting on the shelf for another game or something. You know? just, so. see, just seeing Larry's reaction, like doing something for the sixth time, like, oh, crap. <laughs> I saw your reaction, like, oh, yeah. man. Player, player experience is key. It's really, I mean, if you get that, if you can get the player experience and they're really you get that connection then you know that is that is the ultimate goal you know the gameplay and then of course making sure that gameplay and the story ties in it's just it's just it just makes that foundation of the game so solid so, so we deal with a lot of different things we deal with stories we deal with gameplay and then we deal with technology and then yeah. we you know we make sure that that foundation is solid and when you understand that then it, you can definitely be successful like like david lamb you know one thing Naughty Dog 2 does, and they're confident in, in one approach that the company has that they're not afraid to aim high. So a lot, oftentimes we aim as high as we can. And like Rick said, there could be technical challenges. And, and, and that's up to our programmers who are like the most badass programmers, I think, in the gaming industry where, you know, they will try to achieve those technical challenges. So we'll try to aim as high as possible and not limit ourselves. But of course, toward the end, things get hectic and you might start have to prioritize and you know, ditch some stuff or make some compromises because of memory and so forth. So we try to aim as high as possible and then figure out how to like make it achievable is the first thing and then make it practical, meaning like it'll run in real time, 30 frames per second and so forth. Because that's always the name of the game, making stuff hold up. Um, one thing that's, you know, for people to see like trailers and tech demos, it's, it's those things are great, but they're not practical. You only see those kind of scenarios in an ideal situation but once you, you throw it into a real gameplay it doesn't really you know can't hold up so we do those things too but we we try to aim as high as possible so that's that's kind of what you know that's the philosophy like you know we this is naughty dog let's do it and like, okay i don't know what that means but let's try to do it <laughs> <laughs> just go for it huh? yeah um reach reach for the star and skip the moon that's what i say yeah <laughs> So you have a lot of good programmers there. I'm just curious, does your computer science degree come into uh, play at all with what you do? Any scripts or anything like that that you've uh, messed with? Yeah, I, and I mentioned this like to students that I, you know, for the games class. It, um, 
the more that you can, well, the, the thing that really differentiates animators in, in film versus uh, games is that um, we often have to work with a number of type of people, meaning we work with a number of type of breeds of people, meaning we work with designers, we work with programmers, and then we work with fellow artists who think just like us. But unfortunately, designers think a different way and, 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 and programmers think very differently than us. So there are a lot about efficient, you know, practicality, how to, it's very step-by-step -step sort of fashion, you know, like they think about if and then then. Um, so as, a, as with my background, I don't code or script, you know, it's something I stay away from, but I can talk the language and it helps me communicate with the programmer. You'll find it like with, with, when you're working games, it's, you're trying to talk to the programmers and they don't even talk the same language. You're like, dude, just, just do it this way. And, uh, but, you know, they, they think about how to do it. We're just thinking high level, like what makes it look great. So I can kind of bridge that gap, you know, it helps, uh, especially if, uh, people don't have that technical background. Um, on the cinematics team, we had a mix of, you know, like game game guys and, and more film guys, and they didn't have that technical background. So it's it's good to kind of you know get them up to speed and kind of explain some terminology and how that works because it's that gap and you know and whatever you know even we're we're dealing with 3D, we're dealing with computers, so you have to kind of embrace the technical side of everything. You can't just be a straight up. Uh, uh, visual guy and that's it. You have to learn the limitations, whether you're an art director or, you know, or whatnot. So uh, it's those that can kind of embrace the technical side. And that's Naughty Dog is very technical in that sense where um, we hire designers that don't just design, uh, that don't just design and so forth. They have to script too. So it's this sort of, you know, you have to be able to implement or kind of walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Mm, very cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I got to, question here from our Facebook page and I want to encourage all of our listeners if you join our Facebook even posting comments back on our podcast here we'd love to hear some feedback from you and this will be actually I think a really cool way of getting some interaction from you guys so this one here is from Keith Glass I believe this is the same Keith Glass who's one of our graduates on the feature side and he said I keep hearing about the atmosphere of The Last of Us is so in-depth immersive and impressive I would like to hear how the animation helped to make that atmosphere and the experience so engaging and engrossing for the player that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think one thing that really came about from the very beginning is that we wanted to separate ourselves from Uncharted. Uncharted was great, and it did things more like a, you know, it's more style. The animation was stylized in terms of facial, and just the overall thing was more Hollywood, more blockbuster type moments. Um, so early on, uh, The Last of Us was was more. It's it was the same in terms of a very heavy on character-driven game, uh, more narrative, meaning story is going to really tie into gameplay, but we wanted a different approach. The game was going to be more grounded, more gritty, more real, realistic and violent. Um, and at the same time, for, for our emotions and for our characters, uh, there was a mandate for, for realism. In, in, in other words, like subtle performances. Uh, we didn't want to go over the top, and I think that's one area that we really mandated. It's not just animation. That's the key thing. I think it was a mandate for the entire team, starting from character designs to modeling to rigging and, and so forth. You know, With modeling, we try to keep things as realistic as possible. We didn't want to go too realism because you'll get into the uncanny valley, of course. Um, but they try to keep proportions very intact, very consistent among the characters. And rigging, we, we, and the reason I bring this up because I, I was closer, I, I very much had input on the character models and the, and the rigging was very close. Um, and rigging was very, you know, they 
things were done very more subtle. Um, it's in, in, I don't want to give the impression that we did a different pipeline or different workflow. It is the same pipeline from Uncharted. We, we took the, the pipeline and the tools and we just sort of catered to what we were doing um, and just added to it. So we added a few additional tools, but the underlying pipeline was still Uncharted. We knew that we it was a mandate for subtle realism and you know that really was a big thing. And people think about it's just facial, but it takes it's everything. Um, even down to effects. We wanted it to be as realistic as possible, getting blood, dirt on our characters, on the textures. And um, it, it, it took a really big group effort to stick to that, you know. With, um, it, and I was involved in a lot of different, you know, hats, you can say, caps or whatnot. And that was cool. I got to really, like, play a, different, a number of roles uh, without ever really asking for it. I was forced to be in these situations, which was cool. Uh, it was out of my comfort zone, but I think, hey, you know, sometimes, we just have to do what you have to do, right? A couple of things too that really help push us. And I think for games, it's a tough thing. And, and Rick brought this up really well. Like there's game design and then there's story. And we really emphasize story. So it's almost like this 50-50 thing. They have to work together. They have to progress at the same level. You can't go too far with game design and then story gets lacking. And then you have like this really big disconnect between the two. So one thing that was awesome for us that was different from Uncharted is that we were able to get the script early on. We were able to get the story in front of us and to work on cinematics at an early stage. So uh, we were working side by side with game design. And, you know, at some points we were actually ahead of game design and we like to use the word we we're front loading work. That was cool because we were able to sort of dictate the game as well a little bit because of um, cinematics, storytelling. Um, but, you know, that, that has its disadvantages because you start to you put the game design at a tough spot because you're limiting them so it's this very tricky feel that you know once you get into games it's those two have they're very interrelated and you know it's a huge relationship between design and story so early on we were given a story and it made us more uh conscious of production and and me and sean and sky was the other uh cinematic lead and I mean, I, I hate to admit it, we were a little bit OCD, so we were very, we had this production sort of mindset where, you know, we we didn't have any production, you know, we had a production corner, but she couldn't help us. She was, she was handling things from a project-wide level, and so we were able to set up our quotas and really divvy up work and schedule and, and kind of predict ahead of time. And, uh, what, happen, what happens in games, it gets so hectic, you're just reacting to the situation, like, uh, we'll see how much we can get in. Uh, we were able to kind of predict and hit our quotas and, and know uh, exactly what we're doing and how much work we get done. So um, for a lot of our cinematics, we're, the guys were doing 10, uh, 10 seconds a week, and that was the quota. So th with that said, like we were able to, to really um, push our scenes, get a, a very consistent look to our game. Um, and that's a tough thing with, with games. You'll see, um, it's not to bag on, on animation and games, but because it's just so iterative, uh, it's hard to plan ahead. You can see that the quality across the game could suffer. Like there's some moments, some moments are really looking cool. And some moments are like, uh, you're kind of cringing a little bit because there wasn't enough time. Uh, we, were, er, we were very fortunate to be very uh, consistent with the quality of our look, the game. Um, and that really helped lighting a lot too. So lighting played a key role. Like they were able to iterate and um, the huge thing is that they were able to tie in the in-game lighting to, to cinematic lighting. So we were able to, you know, tie that and make it really consistent. And you feel like you're not really, you know, there's no question in doubt. It's the same 
Um, it's it, you know it's the same look, it's the same content, and you're you're branching from you know gameplay to cinematic back to gameplay. And we felt that time that we had gave us that time to make it feel more polished, more integrated. Um, and the same thing goes for working on um, in-game cinematics or in-game moments to tie into the cinematics. We're able to tie that stuff in so much more, and it, it, it's not something you'll like. That's the funny thing. It's like visual effects. It's not something you'll notice. Um, that's the funny thing. If if you notice visual effects, then that means they did a bad job, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you notice any inconsistencies, then we did a bad job. But if you don't, then you know no one ever notices, and that was the key thing. Um, so basically keeping on time and, like you said, having that ownership of, of getting that quota allowed some of these other departments to be able to do their job well. Yeah, in, integrating those. Yeah. Going from gameplay to cinematic gameplay. So that it's – it's you know, people probably don't think that's an important thing, but it's a huge thing. It keeps the atmosphere. It keeps the, the, the player immersed in it. We're still – we're not cutting away. We're st- you're still drawing the player in. They really want to watch this. And as soon as they watch that, I'm like, wow, what do I do next? And it keeps that player tied into gameplay as long as possible. So you were talking about you got the script early. So because you had the script early, how did you determine the choices, how Joe and Eli would re- interact? Like, was that – early on or was that during production that you you chose that relationship yeah so very early on neil was very hands-on with animation neil was the creative director he wrote the story and we used ashley johnson as our actress and then troy baker as the actor so they were given a lot of direction and uh, we had to be very specific on on facial performance and a lot of those moments sort of you know, in cinematics kind of dictated what gameplay would be like. So you brought up a good question, too. Like, um, I mentioned that the game was very um, heavy in systems with Joel. And the same thing with Ellie. Like, we wanted to keep Ellie alive. If Ellie was annoyed in the cinematic, we wanted her annoyed in the gameplay as well. Uh, so we had a lot of gestures to systems where uh, she would continue to be annoyed outside of the cinematic. Like, she would be pissed off at Joel or, like... Um, you know, she gives the middle finger to, to Joel. So we wanted to keep that very tied in. So um, one of the animators, Allie, she did a really good job. At, uh, she was in charge of Ellie. And we were able to put those gestures in Ellie during gameplay. So it really helps tie those characters in, you know, from gameplay to cinematic back to gameplay. Did, did you guys do a lot of dailies for the cinematics and in-game cinematics? Uh, for Yeah, for cinematics, we were very much... Uh, so, you know, I have some film background and Sean Sky is the co-lead and he's very much film background so this was his first game production and along with the other crew like Keith and Tao the other animators they were very much film background so we're able to bring those sort of same workflow so we were doing dailies we requested different tools to kind of to bring those film sort of techniques you can say it's 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 nothing new but it was great to kind of come together as a team and and, and use the same proven practices that we had in the, in the past. So, and that was cool. And that kind of leads to another, um, to another topic that, you know, to answer the question, like we, we, we kind of had a new team. Like we had a different mindset. We, the, the, the guys wanted a new team because we wanted a different take on the game. We didn't want uh, to resemble Uncharted. And that's the key thing. Like when, when you're going two teams, you don't want the same, you know, you don't want your product to mimic each other. So, you know, a good way was that we brought in a new team. It, that has its challenges as well, but with the new team, we had a different approach, and 
it's not to say it was better or whatnot than Charity. It was just different. And the key thing was that we brought the Uncharted guys on too, and it was awesome because they were very, they helped out and very proactive and gave a lot of input. So we were able to like, you know, utilize them with their background, with the pipeline and so forth, and their skill set, and with the new team. And I think that really helped uh, creating that mood and atmosphere because we had like a like a brand new more of a film team, and I was more sort of this transitional guy where, and I think that's how I got my position because I could handle the technical side and the animation side because you know with games it, it is technically challenging so um, to merge those two types of people like the, the Uncharted team and our team was cool and that really helped us so hopefully that, that answers the question yeah yeah because I yeah. got <laughs> from Adam Bradford who says what new challenges did you face and how was it different from the Uncharted games and then how did they improve the animation system from their previous games etc kind of what you're going into there, but can you maybe elaborate? What were some of the new challenges from the Uncharted games to this Last of Us? Yeah, the big challenge was, um, I, I think, like any other anime can say, was that the game was a lot more, um, you know, our creative director was a lot more hands-on, so he he wanted exactly what he wanted, and that and that's great. And it, it felt more like a film, and that's, in games, we tend to have a little bit more freedom, but for this, it felt more like a film. So. That is a little bit challenging for some, but I think it worked in its favor. The second thing was that we wanted to be uber realistic, like matching exactly the performances of our, our actors and actresses. So it's not to say we're doing one to one, but we had to stick to as you know realism as much as possible. So we're sticking to the live action ref as much as we can as an inspiration, as a start. Um, and then there's moments where we can enhance it if we need to, or there's often times where the performance you get on stage doesn't necessarily translate and get back and you see it in an edit and you're like, crap. Um, so we were able to, you know, we stuck to performance as much as possible, but as animators, we had that freedom to kind of go back and alter performances. So that was the hard part. We were really sticking close as possible. And, but, you know, it, it's there's pros and cons because it limits you, but at the same time, it, it makes the product very tight. Um, so we knew we were sticking as close as possible as Ellie and Joel. And a lot of us, too, were just really hard on each other. So I think that was a key, <laughs> key thing. Like, uh, it, it, we're really tough on each other. Uh, it, it's tough because it's a new team. So you, there's a lot of challenges because you're, you're trying to learn from each other and who you are and how you guys work. And given that we were able to start so early, we figured out our nicks and crannies, like our weaknesses and strengths. And, you know, I know, like, he just gets pissed off. Just let him get pissed off and then, you know, calm down. And, and we, we, we knew each other at a certain point. And once production really got heavy, we were a tight team, meaning, like, we knew we were very close. And I think that always helps. And I think when you're working with, if it's a contract-based job, it's you're, you're bringing people on together, and they're just there to, like, hit full steam, full production. But because we were there pre-pro, I think we developed this relationship early on. So that helped as a whole. And, and quickly, too, like... Um, it's 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 weird, but like in terms of the rigs, I know that's probably a big question too. Like, we used the same rigs. We didn't really change too much. Um, I think the main point was, and, and Judd was Judd and Tyler were the two character TDs. I think the main thing was from an artistic standpoint. We just changed the way we did, the way we deformed the face, and the way we hit certain poses. Um, we still relied on the same facial rig, and the way Naughty Dog has done it in the past is. It's very much like a bone-based system, bone-posed uh, setup where you're, you're, the TDs will, will create the shape with bones, and then those are the shapes that we can hit in animation. So they did a really great job creating those 
uh, those poses. And I would say, you know, one extra thing that we did different was that they used blend shapes to correct some poses. So it would give us that little more realism. So when Ellie smiles, we're pushing, you know, we're pushing her cheeks and so forth and getting, you know, um, when she squints, we're getting the crow's feet. And um, so we, we were paying attention to a lot more detailed stuff. So I think that's what really helped us in the long run. And I was able to be, you know, those guys are uber cool. They're very cool. Um, and I was able to give my input on an early, at an early stage. So I was a lot more involved with rigging than I've ever been before. So, and I think it pays off because once, you know, we, we developed this relationship and it was really cool. So nothing like out of the box, like super, uh, you know, technically advanced that we did. I think it was just having the right players in the right spot, like people's personalities and just really pushing the art side of things. And I think given, you know, this is the end of the PS3, we can only do so much more, you know. So it's all about like what we can push as the artist and the content. Now, can you describe basically the process? Because you mentioned you going as close to realism. How how much did performance capture play a factor? How much did motion capture play a factor? And then how much did keyframe play a factor in what you were doing for this project? Yeah, that's that's a good that's question. That's a great <laughs> question. <laughs> and I'm sure it's a huge topic. Uh, so the way we work is from Uncharted to The Last of Us, we've always mocap the body. So we'll, we'll have our actors and actresses come out. And they'll be in their suit. So we motion capture the body performance. And then we've always, for Uncharted, it makes it made sense. Um, you know, they keyframe the face because the face was a little bit more stylized. It wasn't entirely realistic. For for The Last of Us, it was the same process. The body was mocapped and the face was keyframed. So, you know, if we're going for, for realism in the face, why not do the facial mocap too? And I wasn't part of the early on process, but... Um, it was really hard to manipulate facial at the time. We didn't have the tech per se in-house or the people, the resources. So it, it would have been, I think, more cost-effective to keyframe. And it gave us a little bit more freedom in case we needed to change stuff. So kind of leading to your, your question is, in the industry, whether it's like VFX, animation, or, or games, like there's this whole, uh, this whole mystery about mocap. And how do we use it? And it's still kind of a mystery. Each company uses it differently. I'm sure Rick uses it differently. Rick or Lico uses it differently. And, you know, in-game uses it differently. And then for cinematics, we tend to stick with a lot of the mocap to get that subtlety. And that's what we use mocap for. I tell students that don't be afraid of mocap. It's a tool there and it's not going away because it does such a good job. It captures realism, you know. You can't animate that stuff. Or, you know, you could be, but it'll take you so much time to to animate but it leaves room for other areas of animation meaning like maybe gravity the fine moments where you're jumping out of a built you know plane or it, it leaves room to, to work on action pieces um but mocap is a, is a tricky thing because you know you you want to keep the subtleties and for the most part what you get on stage is you're going to stick with but sometimes when you get back to you know your computer and you're you're working and you have the edits you know some of that performance like i said is not exactly what you want so it's at that point where you decide, do I re-mocap this whole thing or do I change it in animation? So those are moments where you can enhance a mocap performance. And that's, it's tough because you don't want to break the mocap. You want to enhance it. And I tell people like, you know, we just want to push that performance. So it's tricky. It's a skill set. Um, and ultimately, sometimes it's the worst case scenario is you have to like butcher it or change it completely because the design, the director doesn't want it. And that's really hard. Uh, and, and it's it's because you're, you're going from this super realistic 
motion and you're starting to keyframe it and you can quickly tell where it gets keyframey. Um, and so it, that's a challenge itself. So when you see like um, in visual effects, it, it's, it's compromised. It's, it's based on whether the actor is available to reshoot the mocap or is it better off if, it's, if you have a strong animator, just let them keyframe it. Uh, so there's often the time where we have to change performances or you know the actor didn't really do a cool jump you know he didn't do really a heroic jump you're like oh you start to cringe that's the payoff like i can animate that and i can, if you can prove yourself worthy to your higher ups or your you know director then he'll let he'll give you that freedom um so and it, it's funny because no one's you know if you did it right again you won't see it like people just think it's pure mocap and that's the cool thing that's not mocap that's keyframe and you're like wow so if, if it doesn't stand out then it's like you did a good job so it's like you don't get the praise, but uh, you know, you know, it's like a silent victory. You know, you did good, but no one's gonna acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Like David Lamb said, um, you know, it is a skill set. I mean, you know, when when you know Richard Lico and myself, we talk, or or you know, even even like like yesterday at E3 was talking with uh, with Colin and Christian uh, Zanzik. Zanzuk. I'm sorry if I butcher your name, Christian. Uh, he's the animation director uh, at uh, Ubisoft for um, Splinter Cell Blacklist. And uh, we're talking about motion capture. And that's why we have, you know, Brent George is going to be giving a class who directed uh, uh, some of the, the stuff, um, Batman from Warner Brothers, Montreal. So it's a hard skill set. And, you know, David, you've been doing it for a while, keyframing and, and motion capture and matching it. How, how long did it take you to, like, really master it? Uh, I wouldn't say I mastered. Right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, plus, yeah. Uh, like you know, as any animator that was just keyframe. Once when I when I first took on this sort of mocap experience, like it was definitely hard. Like I was resisting it. I was thinking of blowing away stuff because I wanted to keyframe it. But I realized there's a lot going on, especially like uh, I think the first instance was when I was working with Elena in Charlie Two, and she was mocap. And she was simply walking up to like a door, and I was like, "Wow, there's, you know, all the subtleties in her weight shift, in her hips, and so forth. It's not this clean animation you would think. I'm looking at curves, um, and, and animation curves, not her body curves, but her animation curves. Um, it, it's, it's like, wow, I can't, dude, I can never do this in real life. Like, how, how is she? Like, I can't capture this. There's no way unless I reference and just spend a, a crap load of time and. I think that was my breaking point. Like, this is a great tool set. And the more you work with it, the more you just sort of, you're not really thinking about it, but you're like picking up all these nuances um, very implicitly, like behind the scene, like you're just picking up things, but you're not really, um, you know, you're not going to say, oh, that's a good, good thing. It's just things that you pick up and along the way, like after like a year or two, you're like, like I, I'm starting to animate differently. And I, I started the way, I started changing the way I keyframe. Um, you know, curves are never that clean when you're doing realistic stuff. There's a lot of interrupted moments. You know, you're not just easing into a gesture or whatnot. There's a lot of like step fashion type motions where, you know, if you turn your body, it's not like a clean Y turn or twist. Uh, there's a lot of weight shift and a lot of dirt, like not dirty, but a lot of inconsistencies in that turn. It's not a clean turn. Yeah. So simple things like that, that really helped me understand like, and I can't, I can't like say enough about that experience you know you don't really think about how much it's helping you as an animator yeah that's what brent george uh, our new instructor and richard lico like they really attribute a lot to motion capture to open their eyes to a lot of 
a lot of detail in, in the, in our body mechanics. And, and I think it's, you know, I, I, when I look at it, I think it's a fantastic tool. Just, you just need to know when to use it and how to use it. So. Yeah. And to be honest, like it, it saves, you know, and like I, when uh, Larry got scared, it's like, we, we might do like a walk cycle 10 times or like even a simple turn, like 10 times. And to be honest, like if you didn't have mocap, you're keyframing a turn 10 times, it gets kind of frustrating. So as a tool set, if you have mocap in place, it helps fill those kind of moments, like transitions or anything that's very subtle. Like we don't want to be keyframing that every time. Gotcha. It, it, it'll give you time to work on cooler moments if you can think about it that way. It's kind of funny you mentioned that just even the the smoothest of the curves. I was actually talking with Jason Ryan in regards to feature stuff. And he was talking about that very same thing that we have to get kind of away from this ultra smooth curves and stuff like that. He goes, because it just, it doesn't, it looks CG then, you know? And so it just, whether using mocap or just doing it for uh, cinematics or feature, it's still that same concept that you're trying to get across where this feels a little more believable, I guess. Yeah. I think how to train your dragon was really cool. Like the human, the human animation was kind of, they were going away from that that clean. I mean, I'm sure other people have done it, but that's the one movie that really sticks out in my head. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about on this before we close out, or anything you want to plug? You got a website that you keep up to date, or Twitter, or? Uh, yeah. Well, the game is coming out today, so if you guys, um, yeah, if you guys are gamers or interested, it, The Last of Us is basically it's a action adventure horror survivor game. So. It's something out of norm. Like we, we try to blend these two elements, and you know, in a nutshell, it's this post-apocalyptic game where um, it's this modern plague or infection that's really decimated mankind. So people are surviving, and there's people that turn infected, um, and essentially, there's they're kind of like zombies. We don't call them zombies. They're still human form. They still uh, move and, and, and react the same way, but they're more killers. They want to infect you, so. Uh, uh, human, society as a whole has kind of turned into this chaotic world where um, you know you have military confines uh, and quarantine zones. So it's very much like it's very much I Am Legend and sort of Children of Men kind of movie, uh, game. If I had to sum it up, and it centers around a relationship, a father-daughter relationship between two strangers um, who have to sort of make their way across the United States and survive. And um, and, and just to be you know to warn people, it's a mature audience game. But um, one thing that we do well, and I think it's it it, strict, it hits a chord, is it's a very emotional game. Um, it's pretty impactful in that sense, and uh, it's pretty violent. And it's funny, like when when we play this game and, and hearing from other people, like it's violent, but it's justified because uh, the game makes you feel very immersed. Um, you feel like you're Joel, and you really care about Ellie. And there's and I don't want to spoil anything and what happens, but you feel like Joel. So it's either you kill someone or you get killed. And the, and the realism is that you have to kill this guy and, and it's a nasty kill. You could even be, I don't know, like, you know, I don't want to give away stuff, but it gets pretty brutal and it's justified. So I think that's what's different. If you're playing as a third party, um, it may look brutal, but when you're playing it and you're feeling like you're Joel, it's very justifiable. Um, you feel like I need to survive. So and at some point, it's the survival, not for mankind, but it's the survival between you and Ellie. Then uh, you help each other out. So that's the relationship that builds. That's a huge plus. Mm-hmm. Well, we do, again, appreciate your time, David. This has been a very cool talk. I love doing these here. I 
I don't know if it was our last one, I think, uh, with uh, JP Reinmiller. He was talking about, you know, thanks for doing the podcast and stuff. And he goes, I know there are a lot of work. I said, yeah, but these have been really cool just getting to talk with some of you guys here. So, again, a big shout out to you and really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks awesome, a lot, guys. Dave, for taking the time. And, and congratulations to, to you and the whole team at Nadia Dog and, and all the rewards you guys have been winning. Uh, you know, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully those with warranty equal success, equal sales. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Take care. Awesome. We're out.